0: Lately, I have been very distracted, and after reading some articles online, just like them, I blame technology and social media for distraction. So to get me back to focus, I picked up this book. Interestingly, I found out that wasting time on my digital devices was a symptom rather than a cause of distraction. It even gave me insights that I can use for company culture. If these interest you, keep listening. Hi, I'm Day, and you're listening to Daily Book Club The Audio Experiment. Today I'll be talking about Indistractable by Nir Eyal. Focus is the key to success in any field, and if you're distracted, you're hardly likely to finish something that will push you to become better and better, leading to success. But it's not easy since the world is full of distractions. Even entertainment can be distracted. Uh, I was talking to a friend before and she said that it took her half a day to finish a movie that was just under 3 hours. And this was because she was trying to finish a report at the same time talking to people that she had to rewind or pause the movie continuously. So if this is the case, how do we stay productive? The author wrote this book as an antidote to the distraction, which is called becoming indistractable. And mastering this would be a skill that will be valuable in the years to come. I am no master yet, but it has been really helpful. While I was reading this book, it hit me hard. Distraction starts from within. It is not external. We have always blamed technology, but think about it. If you give up your devices, whether it be your phone, laptop, or tablet, you will still procrastinate. And this is so true because I end up dusting my books or doodling or start playing golf in my head even if I don't know how to play golf. Our brains are high-level masters of inventing forms of distractions. So when we are distracted, we have to look at the triggers to understand them. A trigger is basically something that pushes us to do something. And this could be divided into two forms. External triggers that come from the outside. Yep, like that notification. By the way, that was not on your phone. On the other hand, there are internal triggers like feeling bored or stressed that comes from within. Interestingly, triggers are not just distractions. It can lead us to traction too. These are things that push us to pursue our goals and ambitions. Of course, distractions are the opposite, dragging us away from those goals and ambition. So traction and distraction. This is the reason why we can't only blame technology for distractions, since we mentioned that traction and distraction come from internal sources. And to be really blunt, distraction is about escaping something uncomfortable, such as not speaking to your coworker about an issue, finishing a report, or planning what you have to do for the week. Here is the hard truth. We blame or keep blaming technology for our inability to get things done and continuously avoid looking at the underlying problem. This was a punch in the gut for me. But if the distraction is about escaping discomfort, shouldn't we just do things that are comfortable to us? The bad news is that humans, because of evolution, are hardwired for discomfort. Well it helped our ancestors survive. And because we are hardwired for it, it is just human to see things in a negative light, remember our painful experiences, and quickly get bored of things. The good news, on the other hand, is that understanding that humans are like this, we can use it to push us to traction. Imagine this. You're sitting down working, and suddenly you feel bored after a few lines of emails. Before you know it, 30 minutes have passed, and you were just scrolling to Instagram or TikTok. I'm sure it's not hard to imagine since it happens to most of us every day. So how do we beat these internal triggers? One way that was mentioned in the book is to record them. Next time you feel yourself getting sucked into distraction, write down what you're feeling and what triggered it. Note down when it occurred and how you felt once you noticed the trigger. By doing this regularly, you will soon be able to identify triggers and when you are mindful of them, you will be able to let go of them. The psychologist Jonathan Bricker suggests a simple visualization technique. Imagine sitting next to a stream and watching your distracting thoughts being carried away on leaves floating on the water. Personally, I just imagine UFOs in the sky that represents my thoughts and the laser tapping them all into explosions. Another tip from the book is to make tasks more fun. And this is the reason the apps and the games on our phones get the attention. They are carefully designed to be engaging. Ian Bogost, an interactive computing expert, notes that having a system of rewards and challenges makes it an incredibly effective system for engagement. So this is applicable in your work. You can create the challenge of doing a task in record time while still keeping the highest standards. You can even think of serving customers in a new way. Also, have some trust, believe in yourself, and have self-respect. It sounds all new agey, but what you believe about yourself has a huge impact on what you are capable of accomplishing. If you keep telling yourself that you are powerless when a distraction comes, it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. It sometimes is a battle based on my own experience, but I learned that self-compassion is key. When your inner voice puts you down, use the same voice to talk to yourself like you would talk to a friend you care about. The mind is fascinating indeed. This next method in the book is a lifesaver. When people ask me about being able to do a lot, it is because I have less time for distractions. After all, I was able to plan. I think one of the authors that I like, Grant Cardone, mentions that the blank spaces in the calendar are the devil. I don't know if I quoted that properly. But here's the thing. If you don't know what you are striving toward, it is impossible to tell what distraction is actually preventing you from achieving. This is why planning is so important. And when planning, the best way to plan is to time box. Setting specific slots in the weekly schedule for the completion of particular tasks. But this doesn't mean we go crazy and stick to the minute we set. And it's not a guarantee, too, that we will be able to hit our targets. To be fair, some things are really out of our control. Sometimes you'll have to work over time, there will be emergencies, there will be things that you'd never expect. And that's fine. What timeboxing does is that it gives a framework that makes success possible. If you're not in control of your time, time will control you and it will slip away. So here's how we can timebox based on the book. Most people might start with creating time slots for work. It is not the best place to start. The first thing you will need is to plan quality time for yourself. The reason behind this is pretty simple. If you're not taking care of yourself, everything else from your work or relationships will suffer. So start with setting aside enough time for proper meals, sleep, and hobbies. The second part of time boxing is all about your relationships. Relationships are important because it is what centers you. So take time to give time to the people that you love rather than giving them what is left over. And only when the two are done, then you try placing time for work. True, most of us don't have the luxury of setting our own working hours, but that doesn't mean that you can't control how you use the time you have in the office and at home. Time box solo work, emails, collaborations, and such. Yes, things might not always go according to plan, but the discipline will lead you to success sooner than later. We can take a cue from the aviation industry in the 1980s. There were regulations set that stopped any airline staff from distracting pilots during takeoff and landing because it was the most dangerous part of a flight. Just like takeoff and landings, there are parts of your day that are more important than others. During those stretches, you need to be fully focused on the task at hand. You can use visual cues that make your current status visible to the people around you, especially when you're working from home. The author's wife's solution is that she uses a colored card on the desk or a special hat. Personally, I didn't have the luxury to do this, so I just woke up earlier to get myself time without distractions. If you're a leader in an organization, which my data tells me that my podcast listeners are or are on the way to becoming a leader, you do have the power to cut down distractions. And the key here is organization. For example, meetings can only be set when there is an agenda and what steps that they have taken already to tackle the problem. This makes people more prepared and intentional when it comes to scheduling meetings. We've talked about personal distractions, but let us look at structural distractions. These are dysfunctional work cultures. Straight to the point, if your company is ineffectively organized and run, your attempt to become indistractable will be compromised. A common symptom to look out for is free time getting eaten up by work, such as work overlapping with lunchtime. Especially in the age of smartphones and having connectivity everywhere, Companies expect their workers to be on call and answer around the clock. And for some, if you resist, you can get fired. And we can't really blame technology for this, but it is a culture in which time is badly managed. In the long run, workers will be overburdened and will find distractions to compensate. So what can be done especially if you are a leader that wants to genuinely make a change? A suggestion here is to create a platform for employees to voice their concerns safely. Safely is the keyword. If they feel like they will get punished for expressing their opinions, they will keep quiet. And when they express their concerns, objectively see if these concerns should actually be addressed. Or if it's difficult to reply verbally, you can assign meanings to emojis as a reply, such as the eye emoji signaling that the concern is being looked at. A hug emoji signifying the management is going to work on it and is sorry about it. Of course, all these won't mean anything if there's no follow-through. Leaders have a special duty to cultivate a sense of safety by leading by example. They should create a learning culture where people take calculated risks because they are not scared of failing or getting reprimanded. But then again, even before we do all these things, let's take a step back to try being indistractable ourselves. As mentioned, technology isn't really responsible for our distractions. It is on us to dig deeper and understand the psychology behind why we do get distracted. And once we understand and become mindful of the triggers, we can counteract them. A quick actionable can be, every time you have the urge to be distracted, or you catch yourself reaching out for your phone, stop and postpone the distraction by 10 minutes. Think that you can reward yourself with the distraction after the 10 minutes. Most of the time, you won't even notice that the 10 minutes have passed, and you will realize that you were able to finish what you were supposed to do. And This technique I really use a lot. I just used it a few minutes ago when I was making this summary. So cheers to being indestructible. Let's all work on it. And that was a summary of Indestructible by Nir Eyal. Feel free to share this with your friends or colleagues, and together, let us all be indistractable. By the way, I'm always open to book suggestions, so keep them coming. Feel free to tag me or message me on Instagram at Daily or on Twitter at Daily Habit. And as always, thanks for listening. This is Day, and you just listen to The Daily Book Club, The Audio Experiment.